everybody and welcome to this episode of here for it i am so happy that i'm doing this episode today um, we are interviewing nancy Iben, a licensed marriage and family therapist and also qualified supervisor in the state of florida nancy thank you so much for doing this with us you're welcome so i think that this episode is really important because this podcast is really surrounded by what mental health is, kind of the stigmas that go around it. And we have touched on some different topics surrounding mental health, but we really haven't discussed what mental health is. So I think that having someone that has been in the field and really is inside of the mental health world is really going to help out our listeners kind of understand what that is. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the field, Nancy, and you know, just really what mental health is? Well, I got into the field quite a while ago, probably around 26 years ago. And um, I was uh, in a kind of an unfulfilling job. And I decided uh, after about a year of meditating on what I wanted to do, that I had always been kind of the person that people came to with their problems and it just came to me one day that I should be a therapist mm -hmm. so I decided to go back and finish my undergraduate degree and then get my um, uh, master's in counseling mm -hmm. and then after about uh, two years of being licensed I decided I wanted to mentor therapists so I became a supervisor and I've been uh, very happy that I'm I was able to do that in my career mm. and I've had a long like 22 years of supervising interns becoming therapists oh so you yeah. you're kind of seeing both sides of it you've actually been the therapist and now you can work with upcoming therapists on how to supervise them and what they should and shouldn't kind of put forth with their clients right and I've done both I've been in private practice and I've also supervised, so mm. I, I like that combination because it gives me kind of both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely both sides of the field for mm -hmm. sure. So Nancy, could you tell us a little bit about what the therapeutic relationship looks like if someone, if someone were to enter counseling? Okay, so um, I believe that as a therapist, I'm... Um, there to uh, establish rapport with the person and then find out why they're there and then set a, a uh, therapeutic frame for them so that they can kind of open up about um, the issues that they bring in. So I, I kind of view a person that's seeking therapy as kind of like a large jigsaw puzzle that walks in the door. All the pieces are there, but it's not put together. Mm -hmm. And so it's my job to help the person put the pieces back. Mm -hmm. So they've become kind of fragmented as a person. And I think the therapeutic process is one of helping them become, uh, put the split off parts of themselves back 
into the puzzle and make a, a, um, uh, a picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if people are kind of feeling that way about themselves, like they're feeling a little bit disconnected from themselves, that could be some kind of signs to talk to somebody about it, what's going on to see if they can put themselves back together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And, um, as a, I'm, I'm a reflective therapist, so I um, work with the material that the client brings in, and I am also a very accepting therapist, so I accept people where they are, mm-hmm. and I don't try to uh, change them in ways that they don't want to change. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing for people to hear because I think that when people are talking about what therapy is, oh, I don't want people to know my business or I don't want to be judged or why do I need to tell someone this or I can just talk to my friends, why do I need to talk to a therapist? I think that the statement that you just said, it really can help listeners because they're not going to be judged. It's a different type of relationship. But I do know that therapy is scary to people or maybe looked at as I'm weak for going to therapy. I think that is an issue for people. Um, But I think that speaks to people wanting uh, to have autonomy and be in charge of their life. And I think that's an admirable thing that they want to do that. Sometimes things... Uh, get a little overwhelming and that might be a sign that there's some things that perhaps they need to seek out assistance with. Mm -hmm. And that would be a difference of talking to their parents or their friends because some people will just rely on that. Well, I think that uh, the difference between therapy and friendship is that, or should be in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is that the therapist is accepting of what the client brings in and is uh, working with the client to find out what their solution is. A lot of times friends and relatives are invested in in the outcome. Mm-hmm. They might want the, the client to leave the boyfriend that's problematic or they might want them not to take that trip abroad and, uh, you know, get a job. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the difference with a therapist. The therapist would be tuned in to what the client wants, sees for their life. Mm-hmm. Less biased than yes. like friends or family would mm-hmm. be. Yes. Right. Yeah, because I think that mental health people kind of shy away from it a little bit and they shy away from going to therapy. So what would you say that What's the importance of taking care of your mental health? Why why is it so important for people to take care of what happens to their mind? <laughs> um, oh, for so many reasons. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> because it affects our relationships. It affects um, uh, our future, what we, what we aspire to. If we don't feel like... Um, our life is in order, perhaps we're not making the best choices for our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps we're not making the best choices for our relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very uh, 
it affects every part of your life if if your mental health is affected. Right. And people say, you know, you take care of your body, you eat right, or you go to the gym or whatever, you go to the dentist, you go to, you know, all of these specialty doctors, but a lot of people won't go to therapy or they kind of don't think that it's as important as other areas of their lives. Yeah. Well, I... I think therapy has kind of declined in importance Mm -hmm. in people's lives because there is a very um, um, people want to take care of there's like a self-help culture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you should be able to read a book and Mm -hmm. you know take care of your problems Mm -hmm. Or you should be able to talk to a friend and take care of your problems. Mm-hmm. But you really talk about kind of getting to the root of what's going on with these people. So say that if there was someone that came in that, you know, their friend says that they shouldn't be with that boyfriend or something, but it seems to be a habitual problem in this person's life, you as the therapist would be someone that would kind of figure out why this is an ongoing issue with them. Well, I would... Um be able to sit with the client's ambivalence about mm-hmm. this relationship because I that's what I kind of mm-hmm. hear uh, as you're talking about that particular issue mm-hmm. and it's and it's uh, until so I would be able to sit with them going back and forth back and forth back and forth about this issue mm-hmm. and not make a judgment on that which that would enable them eventually to make a decision about what they wanted to do because I was not pushing them one way or the other. Right. And that would be a totally different relationship than A, the friend, and B, reading the self-help book or doing something. It's a totally different world. Yes. And and in order to do that, it takes a lot of training mm-hmm. because our inclination is to take a position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So therapy really is like throughout the training that you've had and all upcoming counselors, that really is something you have to kind of relearn how to respond to people. Yes, it's relearning. Um, it's it's actually learning a new language of how to reflect people, which is a very involved thing and takes in my opinion, about 10 years mm-hmm. to learn how to speak mm-hmm. uh, this this language of therapy. Mm-hmm. And it also takes training yourself um, uh, to transfer over into the client's position, mm-hmm. not, not take your position in the therapy, but actually make the empathic transfer into the client's position. Mm-hmm. Which all kind of translates to, it's really the client's session, it's really the client that whatever they're bringing into the session, it's not you forcing them to talk about something, going one way or another, having a biased position on them. It's really you, and when you say reflecting, you're meaning going into what they're saying and and spitting back and spitting that information back out in a different way, or can you explain to well, us reflecting? It's, it's, if we look at it, it's more like a mirror so I'm kind of uh, the mirror to them and I'm reflecting back what they're telling me but I might add um, 
a little bit of feeling that might not be getting in from the client, I might add the feeling and uh, we would go from there. So they would tell me something, I would reflect it back to them, uh, going like maybe a half a step further. Mm -hmm. And in going that half a step further, then the client would, I'm both, I'm both following the client and guiding the client. Mm -hmm. And I'm not guiding them into some place uh, that I want to take them. I'm guiding them where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And maybe they just aren't realizing that? Yes. Okay. So reflection really is repeating to the client kind of what they said in a different way with like you said, adding the feeling that maybe they didn't even realize they were feeling that. Yes. Okay. But if I'm hearing it in their presentation, I'm going to include it in my reflection. Mm -hmm. And how have you seen that kind of help people? You know, when you kind of reflect something back to the client and they kind of say, yeah, you know, that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I meant. Or maybe they don't realize that they were feeling, you know, um, embarrassment about what they're talking about. And so exactly, the the client sometimes uh, is um, surprised of the feelings that they have. Mm. And then they can start to incorporate those feelings um, into their presentation. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also um, had clients tell me that they feel extremely accepted and respected mm -hmm. in the therapy. Right, which is absolutely so important because people aren't going to come back if they're not feeling that. Yeah. Well, a lot of times in, in um, uh, clients' lives, there's a history of uh, either abuse, trauma, um, things that have happened in their lives that need need to be um, uh, the client needs to go back and revisit those things but they can't do it sometimes because they're scared so a lot of the um, the therapy that I do is is geared to putting people at ease and um, getting um, earning their trust in the therapy so that they are able to go back and look at some of those scary things. Mm -hmm. And in those scary places, a lot of times the clients have uh, split off pieces of themselves. And as we go back and look at those scary places, they're able to uh, find those pieces and put them back into themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds, so you, so the way that you do therapy, what is your approach? Uh, well, my theory is object relations mm -hmm. and the um, object relations theory uh, is based on um, the client uh, as a young child, as a, as a baby, the, uh, the baby attaches to a good object that's the name object relations right so in the therapy also the client attaches to the good object of the therapist and by making that attachment and having um, 
proper uh, boundaries around the therapy and uh, creating a, um, uh, a container for the client, they are then able to progress in their life. So it's it's not as scary as when people are coming in for the first session. It's not we're not diving right in to scary places that they don't want to go. It seems like it's kind of like you said, building the rapport, getting to know each other, making sure that they do feel comfortable to eventually go to those scary places with you. Exactly. Okay. So the first, and I, I. Um, See therapy as a three-part process. The first part is setting the frame of the therapy. And in that is um, creating like office policies, confidentiality procedures, uh, establishing rapport, um, coming up with a proper diagnosis. That's all in the first part. And the second part is... um, the sewer pipe, which I kind of lovingly say the mm-hmm. sewer pipe. And if you picture the um, second part of therapy, you're kind of going down from the frame into the upsetting things that have happened in a person's life. But that also is um, an equal time period as setting the frame. So um, as we go because we've established trust and rapport we're able to go down and look at some of the upsetting things Mm -hmm. and then the third part of therapy is again if you picture another uh, column is going up where the client goes into the termination part of therapy and this part is way where they uh reattach the split off parts of themselves and be become a, a more independent person and then they exit the therapy and they are more whole and they're then able to kind of become their own therapist. Mm. Wow. So really it sounds like the goal is to have the support of the therapist to get through those sewer pipe scary parts and the goal is eventually to be able to work through it on your own. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how long would you say that kind of works? I know that it's probably different cases for each client. Mm-hmm. Well, it is difficult to say, but the more trauma and the more um, abusive situations, difficult situations in a client's life, the longer the therapeutic process would be. Right. So the longer that the area in the sewer pipes would be, you guys would kind of be going through all of that trauma Mm -hmm. for a longer time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So getting into that sewer pipe, is that something that the client just brings into session one day or how do they, how do they get there? Well, if you picture, say you picture the first part of therapy as a tube mm-hmm. and the second part of therapy as the sewer pipe tube and the third part as kind of the ejector tube, uh, they get there by um, developing the relationship with the therapist and um, feeling safe in that relationship. And so then the client and the therapists are able to kind of 
go down the first tube into the sewer pipe protected mm. and look at these scary things in, in a kind of a protected co- cocoon because of the uh, trust that's been built. Mm-hmm. Which, it, that is so important too because I really do think, I mean, I'm 30 years old, I, you know, I'm in that millennial age and people look at me, like people don't understand what, what the therapy is. So I think that a lot of people also in that kind of generation are big podcasters and, you know, they listen to things online. So I think that this episode is really important to get that message out to let people understand like what it is, because I think that a lot of people don't think that they'll be protected when they're going in that sewer pipe or the first session, I'm going to have to talk about this. What if I don't want to talk about this? But you really, like you're saying, you can, you really only go where you want to go in therapy. Well, I think that um, a good therapist is going to um, be with you while you decide where you want to go. Right, with that support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what about clients that don't, that you're seeing for maybe months to a year that never get to that? sewer pipe what would kind of be going on with them there well there are some clients that are not able to do the deep work Mm -hmm. and sometimes those clients have uh, um, more severe mental health diagnoses sometimes they have personality disorders sometimes with some uh, people that have developmental issues they're not able to do that and so uh, those people might remain in the first part of therapy, and it's what I would call supportive therapy. They would come to the therapist for support, and the, and the therapist would be there to support them, but they would probably not go into the, the uh, more traumatic issues because they don't have the um, kind of the ego support to do that, mm. the ego strength. Okay. So what, so you're talking like personality disorder. So if we can kind of get into a little bit of diagnosis Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, um, what would be types of people or types of diagnosis that would be able to do the work now that we've covered the people that really wouldn't? Oh, so, so, uh, people with, um, anxiety, depression, um, I would say most most diagnoses, uh, with the exception of the things that I did name, mm-hmm. like the personality disorders, the bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, schizophrenia. Right, like more severe. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, do you have any kind of success stories that you've seen the whole the whole three tunnels kind of go through with clients and yeah I I would say I have a few uh, where we've done a full course of work and it's it's been uh, um, kind of life-changing for me to see somebody able to do the whole course of a, of a uh, therapeutic process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh it's interesting is it's like the person um 
evolves as you're sitting there with them. And you see the evolution and the work changes as they evolve. So by the end of the work, they're ready to go and the therapist is ready for them to go. Yeah, wow, that's kind of a beautiful, so a beautiful, a beautiful circle. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that you're licensed in marriage and family. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning of your career, were you doing a lot of family therapy? Were you doing individual I've done mostly individual, mm-hmm. but I but I do uh, really like working with couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more people you get in the room, the more difficult the therapy is. Okay. So, as uh, as I say that family therapy is uh, very exciting, but it's very difficult. You have more people to kind of control and yes. engage into your yes. session. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So which do you practice and are you practicing currently with either? I am practicing currently. uh, I'd say mainly couples, some individual work. Okay. So what does couples therapy look like? Well, couples therapy is, uh, uh, it's very, to me, it's very exciting because, um, um, you can see people change right in front of you and gain an understanding for their for their mate that they didn't have going in and you're the uh, conduit for that to happen Mm. so i'd say that by uh, the two people connecting to the therapist they are then able to to talk to each other when sometimes they come in and they're absolutely the communication is zero Mm -hmm. and so um, as we sit there and I'm able to help them speak to each other or they can speak through me sometimes they'll only speak to the therapist not Mm -hmm. to each other but as I can tell each one what I'm hearing them say to the other one that helps facilitate the communication between them yeah the connection to the therapist Mm -hmm. must be really important yes because you're the one that's kind of translating right. for them. And so it's very dynamic and it's very fulfilling because you can see the um, the love come back into the relationship because the communication improves. Right. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see the excitement of that because you actually get to see right in front of your eyes the change that's kind of happening. Right. Yeah. Would you say that that's also a case-by-case thing with like a timeline? With how people get to, you know, find themselves and kind of find themselves back in their relationship compared to individual? Um, I'm not exactly sure. So, um, it's case-by-case basis with individual and how long they're going to have to be in therapy, stuff like that. So, that would kind of be the same thing Mm -hmm. with couples therapy. It would, but then um, occasionally you... um, you can see in the couples therapy that one or the other or perhaps even both people have some trauma that's affecting the relationship. So in that case, or maybe there's a domestic violence mm-hmm. situation going on or there's a, you know, um, a uh, infidelity, something like that that has to be attended to outside of communication issues. Mm-hmm. So the therapist would have to be uh, be able to uh, make referrals to individual for for people 
um, or uh, be able to um, deal with the, that particular issue before the communication could be improved. Right. It sounds like with both types of therapy, trauma is a really underlying factor. Yes. Yes, it's... Uh, um, trauma is a strange thing because it lodges in the body and you cannot get to it by talk. So you have to use other therapies of which uh, I'm involved in in using a trauma therapy also, short-term trauma therapy that can uh, deal with the trauma Mm. specifically. Can you explain to us what that trauma therapy is like? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called uh, accelerated resolution therapy, and it... um, it's an eye movement therapy, so the person is imagining the traumatic situation. They imagine it three times. The first time they imagine it uh, with uh, all the memories and all the feelings attached to it. And then we do a set of eye movements, and they, they're not talking about the, tra- the trauma. They're just seeing it, and they're, they, they're um, allowing themselves... Um, to let the feelings associated with the trauma come in. And then through the eye movements, we process out the feelings um, the first time they see the scene. And then the second time they see the scene, we do the same. The third time we they see the scene, they change the scene to be how they want to remember it. So mm-hmm. it's actually putting in a new default. So when they put... So when they... Uh, think of the trauma, it now defaults to the new scene that they created, not to the original traumatic scene. Wow. Mm -hmm. So when they're rethinking about that, or if that ever, if they ever get triggered about that memory again, Mm -hmm. they're remembering the new memory that they created through the eye movement. Yes. Wow. Have you had any success with that? Oh, yes, quite a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm, beginning my training in this and I'm uh, just going into the second part of it now but I think I I have uh, experienced dealing with anything from test anxiety to sexual assault to um, abusive um, childhood memories and it must be kind of I mean a little bit relieving then talk therapy because Like I said before, I think people are kind of scared to relive that and talk about it Mm -hmm. because it makes it real. And then they're here with you for the hour and then they're back home with these thoughts. What do they do now? Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of, I think, something that people are scared about. Yes. But with ART, they don't have to talk about anything. Right. But But it ends up actually facilitating them to be able to communicate because now they've kind of been able to go through the trauma, the unspoken mm. um, uh, scary thing that happened to them. And since it's defaulting to something that they can handle, now they can speak about. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it really all has to do with the eye movement. So how does that, mm-hmm. how does that connect? Um, well, I believe, you know, it, uh, uh, the brain is processing things by the eyes moving back and forth. Okay. So they're kind of rewiring? 
I that's what I right. think. Right, right, That's right. That's what it's based on. Wow, that mm-hmm. is so. That is seriously so amazing. Mm-hmm. So you have seen people kind of come in, and that trauma is not what it used to look like from this therapy. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What you've you've done so much. I mean, you've been in the field for how long now? Um, close to thirty years. Okay. So, can you tell us about any other things that you think that um, we should kind of know about or different types of therapies that you have worked with? Um, well, I've also worked with another trauma therapy called uh, somatic experiencing. And um, that that's kind of a longer uh, process. The, the art is a very short term. So people have been able to go through a specific trauma in like an hour and you know, less than an hour and a half. So and that is a one. Up. That's right. a one-time thing. Right. Some, some other traumas might be more complicated, more long-lasting, more connected to maybe childhood, and uh, um, in in somatic experiencing um, is also a trauma therapy, but. It's a talk therapy, okay. Too. So, so, but you're 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 doing very small pieces of the work at a time, and you're taking into uh, 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 concern that uh, if the person's getting stimulated and is getting reactive by the trauma, then you stop talking about it, and you you. Um, focus on the on the person's um, uh, reaction that they're having like their emotional reaction yes. what's coming up for them mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. wow yeah so really I think that there's a lot of people that think that they can never get over some of the traumas that they've been through but these are kind of ways that they can yes okay and um, for for um, art, uh, this is the number one therapy now being used with veterans and the, the traumas that they have mm-hmm. in the field. Mm-hmm. So it's a very good one. Right. And it's very, very fast acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, a lot of people are focused on getting fast results, and I get it, you know. Yeah, they don't want to sit and wait and go to therapy for right. weeks. Right. They want to just going once not right right (laughs) yeah for art you're going in once and then or once or maybe you know two three times if if the thing you know things haven't resolved and then then it uh it's it's looking different the trauma is looking different right so you have done a lot in the field so how can you explain to me why because i have heard before People saying, like, you know, friends or someone talking to me, like, oh, yeah, I'm having this problem and I'm recommending, you know, like, I'm a big fan of therapy. It's really helped me in my life. I was definitely a person that was detached and I didn't realize that it it was something that was going on with me until my therapist said back to me, oh, so you feel guilty about this, this and this. And I just, that was it. That was my release. (laughs) And then I was done. So like we were talking about before, it's really, um about reflecting and kind of showing you what you are feeling Mm because maybe you don't know it, maybe you don't want to face it, whatever the case may be. So 
that's why I'm a big fan of therapy. That's also why I'm why I've entered the field. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I'll see some friends or someone talking about something and lightly just suggest, you know, have you been to therapy? Kind of what you think about it. And sometimes the the sentence that I'll get back is, yeah, I went, doesn't work. That doesn't work. So what is that? Why do, why do people say it doesn't work? What could be the barrier there? Well, it could be that they didn't have a good relationship with the therapist. It could be that um, uh, they weren't ready to uh, attend to the underlying reason of um, what they came in for. And um, so, so the process I mentioned before of doing this whole first part of therapy where the the client attaches to the therapist and then they're able to address the trauma that's so important but uh, uh, in a lot of times the person doesn't want to spend that time mm-hmm. like forming the relationship with the therapist yeah yeah i'm sure that must be hard also for people because you might be going into therapy saying like already off the bat, like, well, I don't want to tell this person anything that's going on with me, but you're still making the session to go with still a little bit of guard on the client. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a different approach that the therapist will have to take. Um, Yes, and Uh, I think nowadays also um, insurance only pays for a certain amount of sessions, so... Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody has some longest-standing trauma, that's going to maybe take a couple years to address. Mm-hmm. Um, how are they going to afford to pay for that? Right, right. That could be one of the reasons that people uh, drop out, and sometimes people feel like uh, um, they're just maybe too damaged or too... Mm-hmm. Uh, it will never get better. Mm-hmm. So they maybe give up hope and find other ways to address it. Mm-hmm. So what would some of those other ways be, either positive mm-hmm. or negative, that people well, are positive doing? ways would be, you know, exercise mm-hmm. and uh, lifestyle and kind of not putting yourself in any situation that would trigger um, thoughts about um, the trauma. Mm-hmm. So if people are kind of listening to this and teetering with the thought of, you know, they want to go to therapy, okay, if funds is an issue, those are kind of some ways to kind of self-care. Yes. Yeah. And if someone is thinking about going to session, how would you suggest that they start or how can they research on who they would like to go to? Well, um, a lot of people put up... uh, good thumbnail sketches of who they are as a therapist. I would say if you resonate with something like that, go in and check the person out, give it a couple sessions, and if you feel a connection to the person, continue. And if you don't, there's a gazillion therapists out there, and there Mm -hmm. is a therapist that would uh, more match the client if they're not finding that they're resonating with the person. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of things that I'm seeing is, you know, to for self-care is really talk to someone, reach out for support. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with therapy. So to find that therapist that you really feel the connection with yes. is important. Oh, I think it's it's very important. 
one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is kind of surprising to some people that it's that's one of the most important things. Is literally building a relationship with someone and having that trust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when you're a baby, you're supposed to build a relationship with your uh, with your caregiver, you know, with your good object. And if that doesn't happen, then a lot of the uh, a lot of the years afterwards kind of don't have the proper foundation. So you can see that relationship is um, like 90%, right? Mm-hmm. And um, actually I would should say maybe 80% because that's the, the, the figure that people that have done research have come up with, that it is the relationship that heals and mostly... Mm-hmm about 80% of the therapeutic wow. cases that have been studied. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your your approach and belief is that it that these kind of traumas or, pers- or disorders or diagnoses or whatever it may be, kind of your personality going forward is dependent on the beginning, so more of like a psychoanalytical dynamic approach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that... Uh, if a person doesn't get the nurturing and the care that they need when they're when they're a baby, their um, um, their foundation is compromised, mm-hmm. and so as they build on the shaky foundation, um, it's going to be a, like a shaky house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, able to be uh, blown apart with a strong wind. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's extremely important to have that good foundation. Right, right. But if you don't have it and you can build it later in life with somebody that you trust, you can work through the, the, uh, the, uh, the early things that have happened to you. Right, so... If someone does have, you know, the childhood trauma or something, it's not, we're not totally doomed. It's no, we, absolutely we can... not. That's why the relationship with the therapist is so important because mm-hmm. it's a he, it, it, it's going back and healing some of the original wounds. Mm-hmm. Right. That maybe even going back to the beginning of the interview that people didn't even know that they had. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I know that. Um, this field is, it's tough and it's difficult to, you know, hear all of the trauma that people are going into. So thank you for being someone that really helps people in the community and it's huge and I don't definitely don't want that to go unnoticed for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would kind of want to end us with on a note about or... Oh, no, I can't think of anything. Okay, I know. we. This was like, it's a lot of heavy stuff yeah. that you kind of talk about. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I think that that's why this is so important because it can be so easily brushed by like, yeah, okay, you're talking to someone. Okay, like who cares? You're. It's really thrown to the side like it's nothing. So I want to bring the importance to light that mm-hmm. in this hour we just, we talked about so much heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. 
that it's really important for people to know. So thank you again, Nancy. You're welcome. It's so amazing. Um, and if you guys have um, any doubts, thoughts, you know, anything about continuing your therapy journey, you can definitely look on the blog and there will be some kind of tips and websites that you can go to for further support. And thank you for supporting me and Nancy in this podcast and have a great rest of the day.